0: Good morning once again and welcome. I'm so glad that you're here and I really appreciate the fact that you would take time out of your weekend to make the time for your Sunday to be here with us at Malvern Hill. If you have your Bibles we're going to be in the book of Exodus chapter 20. We've been there for a few weeks working our way through the Ten Commandments and today we are making it to uh, the Fifth Commandment. Honor your father and your mother. As you're turning just a couple of reminders. We do have our annual trunk or treat on Tuesday. We would love for you to come participate with us as we do our best to love on our community. We'll still take some candy if you drop it off Uh, between now and Tuesday. You guys have done a wonderful job at at bringing that. It's come in by the bucket loads and we appreciate that. It takes a whole lot for us to make an impact on our community with that. So thank you so much. And um, Somebody came to me and said, is it okay if we have a goat for our trunk or treat?" So I'm just going to tell you, if you really want to to bring home the bacon this year, you're going to have to do better than a goat. So uh, Um, uh, I mean, somebody can, maybe you can, I don't know, but uh, it's going to take hard. I don't know if you're going to bring a pig, a cow. If one of y'all brings one of those little miniature highland cows, you'll win the day. So if you can get your hands on one of those little furry things. All right. Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 12. It's just one verse. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's word. And it is God's word. This is not my word. So let's pay close attention. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray together. Father God, may we learn to honor you and your word. Father God, may we be people that live lives lives worthy of honor. Father God, help us to honor our parents and those who have gone on before us. Pray this word sinks deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Honor your father and your mother. Or as I like to think of it, listen to your mama. We're wrestling this morning with just a question. What are the building blocks of a healthy family? And and why does the Bible speak about honor? Why honor? This is a, a command that's given to us in a positive and not the negative. Negative would be do not. A positive is do something. But the Bible says honor. It doesn't tell us to love our mother and our father. It says honor your mother and father. Honor. Honor is an expression of rightly ordered love. Let me help you with that a little bit. Jesus said the greatest commandment is that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? The second was like it that you would love your neighbors yourself. If I substitute that word love for honor, I I don't really change the meaning at all, do I? If if I'm honoring my neighbor, as a matter of fact, if I think of it as honoring my neighbor, oftentimes that puts a little bit more teeth to it. I I might say that I love my neighbor from a distance, but honor means I'm giving some deference to them. I'm, I'm actually honoring them with my lifestyle. If I want to honor my neighbor, I might actually wait for them to turn out ahead of me, right, before I pull out of the driveway. Or to honor them might mean to bless them in some particular kind of way. And so when the Bible teaches us that we are to honor our parents, it's, it's giving us this, this command that we have a rightly ordered love towards them. By giving us a positive command instead of a negative command, the Bible also removes the opportunity for us to be super legalistic about this. If the simple command was do not disobey your parents, man, that's, it's actually easier To obey that than it is to honor them not not you know honor means that I might have to go above and beyond I might have to step out of my comfort zone so that I can love them well that I can do something for them that I can serve them the Bible says honor your father and mother and the reality is that we begin we begin not only the basic building blocks of a healthy family by honoring our father and mother we begin the basic building blocks of a healthy society By honoring our father and mother see a healthy family is where healthy societies are built The, the the structure for the spiritual health of a society for the the cultural health of a society even for the structural health of a society it begins in the home the most basic building block of any culture or society is the home where love lives so this morning We have a relatively short amount of time to cover a whole lot of things. I'd like to preach six hours. Uh, You guys won't listen for six hours. And in addition, um, we, we want to observe the Lord's Supper today. And we're going to bring our children back in. So I need you to listen quickly this morning about what it looks like for us to honor. Now, before we jump in, let me just give you this reminder. Parents, this verse of Scripture, this command, was not primarily directed at elementary and middle school kids. Okay, now it certainly applies to them, but the command to honor parents was given to adults. And it carried with it first the idea that we as adults would honor our parents. And with that in mind, we jump into really our first point about what honor looks like. If you're going to honor your family, if you're going to have the healthy building blocks of a healthy family, the first thing as a parent It's not that you would demand that your children submit to authority. The first step is for you to submit to authority. You begin that process. Now, you you might say, well, Craig, it doesn't say it's right here. It says honor your father and mother, and it does. Well, Craig, who are you to tell us that it's about us submitting? Well, it begins not in verse 12. It begins actually in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. See, the idea, the expectation that that we would submit first begins in that verse. I am the Lord. God didn't say, I will be if you want me to be. God didn't say, if it's okay with you, I'll be this. God said, I am. And the expectation there is that all of Israel then, all the children of Israel, all of those that have been redeemed from Egypt at that point, that they would submit themselves under the mighty hand of God, that they would submit to the authority that's coming booming in a voice from Mount Sinai. That they would live under authority. Listen, there is no humility or godly leadership without submission. There is no humility or godly leadership without submission. In the Bible, we are commanded to submit in a variety of ways. Now, certainly, everybody, I think most everybody in this room would say, I agree, we should submit to God, right? And so, uh, and, and, and Peter says that submit yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And he ties it in with humility that if we're going to experience humble living it's only going to come about as a result of our willingness to submit ourselves to God. And so a lot of people are comfortable with that. Well, one of my favorite things is like a shirt or a tattoo that says submit to no one except God, right? And I'm like, Shh. here's the problem. The Bible says that we should submit first to him, but it doesn't stop there. There are a lot of other people that we are expected to submit to. And before I get to go home and tell my kids about all the people there so supposed to submit to and all the people they're supposed to honor i've got to characterize before them a lifestyle of regular submission the bible says in romans chapter 13 that we're submit to the governing authorities i have a responsibility to live under the rule of those that god has put in charge of me the laws that exist in our culture i have a responsibility to obey those laws to submit to those laws Right? It's not just that. The Bible says that in the church that, that you are expected to submit to the authority of elders, of ruling elders. It says that in the book of Hebrews. Right? So that means that, yes, there's an expectation that I would lead in such a way, other pastors would lead in such a way that the church would submit to the, to the leadership of, of, of me. I know that sounds self-serving. Brace yourself. Don't hate me yet because it's reciprocal. Here's the other side. I, I submit to the authority of the local church. That's the rest of the story, right? So as individual believers, I have a responsibility in this church to serve as the pastor, right? But the church has a responsibility of oversight to me. So there may be something that the church says, Craig, this is what you're going to do. And the congregation says, this is the direction we're headed in at that point. I submit. So for instance, we we just put some pictures up here. In coming weeks, there will be votes that will come along. Now, I believe with all my heart that this is the direction we need to head in. I believe there's going to be a whole lot that's going to come. It's going to cost us a lot of money. It's going to be a lot of effort. You guys are going to have to serve a whole lot to get us there. But I think with all of my heart, that's where we need to be. However, when we come and bring this to a church vote, if the church says no, you know, 75% say we're not moving in that direction, then guess what? My responsibility scripturally is that I submit to the authority of the church. The church has spoken. And even though I'm the pastor here, I'm just, I'm just a part of our church body. And I would submit to that. There's, there's regular submission that we all have. You understand? And if I am going to raise up my children in such a way that they're going to honor the Lord, then I've got to live my life under the authority of others. Let me say this. I didn't say this in the first service. Living under the authority of others is going to necessarily mean that there's a lot of times in your life when you don't get your way and that you're okay with that. Living under the authority of others. This is why in the house, in the home, it's so important. Husbands and wives should be regularly engaging with another, one another in such a way that you're learning how to compromise. Your children are seeing you guys give and take. They're seeing you be willing to win and be willing to lose and seeing you do it graciously. They recognize that you're living under the authority of God, under the authority of, of a household that's seeking unity. You're living under the authority of your boss. You're living under the authority of, of, of government. You're living under the authority of, of rulers. And leaders. You're living under the authority of the police, right? And when you choose to model that before them, then you have an opportunity to do the second thing, which is to train your children to respect authority, to train them to respect authority. Listen, health is easier caught than taught. That's what I like to say to people. That's spiritual health, that's physical health, that's emotional health, it's a lot easier. If you find yourself around healthy people, then you, you begin to, to catch on to some of that and you get a little healthier. It's a lot more challenging if you're just having somebody preach at you all the time about what you need to do and try to teach it to you. We, we, we surround ourselves with people that are like us. And if I want to train my children to grow up and to respect authority, then it begins with me with them seeing me respecting authority. Now, how, how do I do that for them? I, I do that by modeling it for them. If you want your children to question authority then one of the best ways for that to happen is for them to hear you constantly questioning authority in your own home i mean do you go home and talk trash about your pastor there's a really strong possibility that they're going to not respect not only your pastor they're not going to respect the church or the word of god because watch children who are taught to challenge authority will become adults who doubt god's power and love children who are taught to challenge authority will become adults who doubt God's power and love. Why? Because when you teach your children that everybody's out to get them and nobody can be trusted, they grow up to become adults who are on an island all by themselves with nobody they can trust. And when you're all alone, listen, your anxiety's through the roof. You're also training them. So in the uh, in the Ten Commandments, uh, we, we speak of there being two tables in the Ten Commandments. Um, and those two tables would be um, the vertical and the horizontal. So there are those tables or tablets or commandments that have to do with our relationship with God. That's the vertical. And then those that have to do with our relationship with others, and that's the horizontal. In Protestant circles, we generally speak about the first four commandments being vertical relationship and the second six being about our horizontal relationships. But historically in the church, there's been a whole lot of debate about whether or not the fifth commandment was a vertical commandment or a horizontal commandment in other words honoring your father and mother does that have more to do with maintaining your horizontal person-to-person relationships or is that more to do with maintaining a relationship with the Lord and a lot of people have said that it's about maintaining a relationship with the Lord because when we model that honor Uh, Before our children, we teach them to respect authority. And when we as parents are the kind of people who are respectable, then our children are learning what it is to honor the Lord as they honor their parents. Now, I, I, I still don't believe that this is primarily a vertical command, but the truth still applies. When we teach our children to honor and respect authority, we teach them to honor and respect all authority. And so they begin to trust and to believe that there is a God out there who could love them and who is worthy of their honor and respect. And they don't have to be fearful. So parents, listen to me. There's a quick test for this, for whether or not you're teaching your children to respect and honor authority in their lives, okay? The teacher calls home tomorrow and they say, little Johnny did this. Is your immediate response, little Johnny, come in here, let's talk about what you did in school. Or is your immediate response... Send me the video and prove to me that little Johnny did it. I love the teacher's response when I say this because they're all like, yes, we know that parent. Don't be that parent, right? When the teacher calls home, is your immediate response, I'm sorry my child did that. Let me address this with my child. Or is your immediate response, are you sure it was my child? My child would never do that. Okay? So when we get there, we're, we're beginning to teach our children to respect authority. But, it's, y'all, it's not just with teachers, is it? It's with police officers. It's with the way that we speak, for instance, about our rulers. Do you, do you speak about your president? Do you call him an idiot and a moron and horrible things and then go, I don't understand why my children don't respect authority around them? You see, here's the reality. We can disagree, for instance, with with the policies or the decisions of elected officials without disparaging those people personally. I can still teach my children that the person in that office is worthy of respect even if they might disagree with what that person is doing. And when I begin to teach them those little things, then I begin to teach them honor and honor carries over. And we have a responsibility to do that. So when the Bible says honor your father and mother, we've got to submit to authority um, and then we've got to train our children to respect authority. But then we have to keep in mind that I can only train them to respect authority. You ready? When I or when you are a respectable authority in their life. Here's the challenge. I'm trying to teach my children to respect authority. I don't get to stomp my foot and say, respect my authority. Because they see through it They see through cheap demands to respect authority when the person saying it is not authoritative or trustworthy or honorable. How many of y'all have had a boss before who demanded to be respected but was not respectable? Who demanded to be honored but wasn't honorable? So what are the building blocks of healthy family? First, submit to authority. Second, train your children to respect authority. And then third, live a life worthy of honor. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. You say, well, Craig, it doesn't say anything about me. It just says what they're supposed to do to me as their parent or what I'm supposed to do to them as their parent. Paul addresses this, though, in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says, honor your father and your mother. And he says, it's the first commandment with a promise, which is pretty awesome. We're going to look at that in just a minute. But in that same passage of Scripture, you know what he says? He says, fathers, do not provoke your children To anger do not provoke your children to anger a couple years ago I was parenting parenting well I like to think and uh, um, went to bed that night after some creative parenting opportunities and there was a post-it note little yellow post-it note on my bedside table parents do not provoke your children to anger it was not in my handwriting it was in my oldest daughter's handwriting, and there it was—just a strong reminder from my daughter, who is just like me, which is not always a great thing. And she got her; she said her piece, and she got away with it. Uh, but you know what? What what that worked for me though? I took that—I took that post-it note, and she didn't know it, um, but I put that post-it note on the side of my bedside table. And so every night when I went to bed, until the glue finally gave out and that thing fell off, every night when I went to bed, I looked at that post-it note in Aubrey's handwriting, Fathers, do not provoke your children anger. And it reminded me to pray that I would not be that kind of an overbearing father. There's another translation of that verse. This is do not exasperate your children. Right? What does exasperate mean? That means don't parent such a way that they go, oh, what are you doing? What do you want from me? We need to live a life worthy of honor. Not not just so that our children would be willing to honor us. Listen, when I live a life worthy of honor, I don't have to worry about being honored. And so I was just speaking a few minutes ago about our, our responsibility. My responsibility as a pastor to exercise authority in the local church. And that can bring about some chafing from some folks. Like, who do you think you are to exercise authority over me? And then I'm reminded that living an honorable life means living a life that is, that is honoring of all of God's Word. And so even though there's an expectation in God's Word that I would exercise authority, there's the reminder from Jesus that I don't exercise it as the Gentiles would. I'm, I'm reminded from Jesus what it looks like to exercise authority. And in Jesus' picture exercising authority looks a whole lot like getting on my knees and washing feet. When i live a life that is honorable i don't have to demand it i earn it i receive it and parents we do no better than when we live lives of honor in our homes but if we live that life worthy of honor then we have the opportunity to seek out the blessings of god Now, you'll recall that the Ten Commandments are given to the children of Israel. They've been delivered from Egypt. They're standing at the base of Mount Sinai. They're hearing these commandments being given to them. And they will soon begin their journey to take possession of the promised land, the land that God has given to them. Okay? Um, Now, here's what you'll see. These are already God's people. They're already receiving God's commandments. But they're not yet... Receiving the full fulfillment of God's blessing and they're not yet in the place of God. The kingdom of God is defined this way. The people of God in the place of God under the rule and the blessing. So here we have the people receiving God's rule and God's blessing. And they're going to walk into that place. And in that place they're going to receive even more of God's blessing in their life. But you understand... That even though God has redeemed them and saved them, even though God has given them commands and expectations, He still says to them, I want you to do these things so that you will enjoy the fruit of this land longer and longer. Now remember, this isn't given to an individual, it's given to a community, an entire nation of people. And to this entire nation of people, God says, if y'all will build a culture of honor and love and respect then one of the great blessings from that culture is you're not just going to inherit this land. You're going to live in it for generations to come. You're going to experience my blessing over and over and over again. What are the building blocks of a healthy family? Submit to authority. Train your children to respect authority. Live a life worthy of honor. And then finally, seek out the blessings of God. And what do I mean by that? I mean, I want you to pursue God as a family. Chase after him that same oldest daughter of mine that left me that note forced me to watch father of the bride last night. Um, and I've, I've never watched father of the bride. Um, but, uh, there I was enduring this. And at one point she looked at me, she said, did you write this movie? It's like, no, honey, I was 10 when this movie came out. I didn't write it. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I watched it, and, and I, I mean, I don't have to worry about I mean, I'm not going to let my daughters marry until they're like 35. Um, but, um, but, but still, as a dad, you're watching this, and you see the future laid out ahead of you. There's going to be some snot-nosed dude that's going to come in here and sweep my little angels off their feet and then try to marry them, and I'm going to have to either like kill him or bless the union, and I don't murder, so I guess I'm going to have to come up with a way to bless this opportunity. But, but there he was in the beginning of the movie, and he, he walks in, and he's talking about his house. And he says, This is my house. It's a great house. And this is where my children learn to ride their bicycles. And this is where this happened. And this is where that happened. And this is where Aubrey said, This is you, isn't it? And I went, Yes, it's me, and it's not wrong. You know, it's okay. Because I just love to have my kids. I do. I, I, and I'm the sentimental one in the family. And we have this kitchen table that's been beat all to pieces and and they've scratched all over it and everybody else thinks we should get rid of it. And I'm like, no, I I think this table is perfect. And I don't mind that one of my genius kids accidentally carved their name into it by drawing too hard with a ballpoint pen. Like this table is great for me. We have this tablecloth in our house that is filthy. I've written about it before. It's, It's gross. Um, and But and if, if you come to my house and you're like a guest, you'll never see this tablecloth. It's one of those table mats. It's the cover for the dining room table. Uh, so if you come in, you won't ever see it uh, because it'll be covered up with a nice nice, frilly little tablecloth that Angela will put on it. But if you show up for dinner one day and we didn't know you were coming and you just hang around long enough, then... We'll, we'll have to eat in the dining room, so there'll be room for everybody to sit down. And so what would happen at that point in time is you'd see us get out this table mat, and it's got paint all over it. And, and it's got paint all over it because it's the work workplace for my kids for all of their crafting for like the last decade. And so there are little picture frame outlines where they painted picture frames and they finally just take it upon themselves to just own the fact that they've ruined it and there's little names written here like oh I made this mess and they autograph it which is I don't know if it's great or terrible I'm not entirely sure Um, but I I look at all this I'm like this is this is this is home this is us right this is my family good bad or indifferent the broken window that's us you know, the filthy floor, that's us. Whatever. This is who we are. And I'm excited about it. And, and, and so I'm looking at this movie and I'm like, yeah, that's that's me. And I don't ever want them to leave. But here's the problem: God didn't God didn't make me into a father so that I could keep my children in my house for the next 30 years. He made me into a father so that I could raise those children up to know the Lord and that one day they would actually leave the comforts of my house, and they would go from my household to establish new households where the gospel would be proclaimed and God's kingdom would be expanded. And so as a parent, I have an opportunity not only to live life worthy of honor, but to seek out the blessings of God by pursuing spiritual things with my children. And parents, I just want to encourage you today Let your children catch you praying. Let your children catch you reading God's word. Let your children catch you worshiping. Allow them to join you. Because when we pursue this spiritual terrain together, then we're investing into our children the hope for a future that is far better and larger and more important than me keeping them sleeping in the same bedrooms for the next 25 years. Because what we're doing as followers of Jesus is seeking out the blessings of God when we raise our children and we seek out those blessings by walking into the promised land that he's given us. And the promised land that he's given us is that if we will raise them this way, then we, and by extension they, can live long in his promised land as his children in his place under his rule and his blessing. And folks, that's ultimately why we even gather to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Some of you are wondering how in the world do we transition from a sermon about parenting to the Lord's Supper? Well, here's the reality. The reality is the only reason that we can serve as the kind of parents that God's called us to be, the only reason that we can walk into these blessings and these privileges is because Jesus Christ died. To forgive us for our sin, from for our sin. Because the Holy Spirit enables us to raise our children up to know and to trust the Lord. And so this morning, we're gonna take the Lord's Supper. In just a second, our deacons are gonna come forward and they're gonna help. But parents, let me just give you two things. Number one, if you're here today in this sermon has really just convicted you, I would just encourage you. This is a wonderful time for you to pray. <laughs> for for God's forgiveness and God's strength to make the changes you need to make. Maybe you're one of those parents that's not been wrong in your life in a very long time and it's time that you looked at your children and said, I need to submit the authority of others and I start with submitting the authority of God and I was wrong. Maybe that's where you begin. For some of you though, it, it, some of you, your, your opportunities to explore spiritual terrain with your children begins today. See, the Lord's Supper is reserved only for those who are followers of Jesus, those who have given their lives to Christ and, been, and, uh, and, have, and have followed Him uh, in that way. And so this morning, if you have children who are not Christians, then they don't take the Lord's Supper today. And that's okay. And parents, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to teach them and to train them, to help them to understand that the bread represents the body of Jesus and the, blood repre- or the, the cup represents the blood of Jesus. And all of that was given so that they might have life forever. This morning, as we gather to take the Lord's Supper, we do so as a big family of little families seeking together to build God's kingdom and to experience God's blessing one day at a time. If our deacons would come forward at this point in time. We take our understanding of the Lord's Supper. From the book of First Corinthians, chapter eleven, and this morning um, we'll begin with the bread, and I'm going to begin the reading. After you've received it this morning, um, we will um, complete the reading and pray over it. So, after our deacons bring it around to you, just hold it and wait. Well, the Bible says this: "For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it." Jesus prayed, so let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the broken body of Jesus who was given for our sin so that we might live. In Jesus' name, amen. And then he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible says in the same way, after supper also, he took the cup. Our deacons will pass these cups out. And just a reminder, this is a representation to us of the fact that Jesus shed his blood for our sins. Because the Bible says he did it in the same way, I believe that means Jesus prayed again. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the shed blood of Jesus that was given so that we might have forgiveness of our sins. Please bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that he said this. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Bible says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, guys. Church, um, as our musicians come forward, the Bible tells us that after the very first Lord's Supper, the disciples went and sang with Jesus. And so we're going to sing one more song this morning. But let me just say something real quick. Um... I know it's a little late, but just listen to me. There's some of you here that that's probably a little weird. That's, that's what I recognize. we got some folks here that, that, uh, that might... Hey, what, what just happened? Uh, let me tell you what, I, what we believe as a church and what we know to be true, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us from our sins. The Bible's very clear that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But that Jesus Christ came not satisfied to leave us separated from Him, but instead desired to give us a new life and to give us a relationship with him. And if that's kind of new to you or you're not sure what that's like, you're not all alone. We have a young lady who attended our church for the very first time in the first service and gave her life to Jesus this morning. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not the only one. But I believe that God brought you here so that you might hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you could even see it on display, through something as simple as the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to sing in just a minute. And as we do, I want to stand right here down front. If you say, Pastor Craig, I, I would just like to know what it is to be a follower of Jesus. I, all this is still confusing or new to me. Hey, I would love to pray with you or to help you find somebody to pray with you this morning. Or if there's anything else that the Lord's doing in your life, perhaps you're a parent that says, I'd like to come pray for my kids. I'd like to pray today that I could be that parent that we spoke about that, that, is, that is helping their children to be honorable. Whatever it is that as we sing this morning, I invite you to come and allow the Lord to continue to work in your life. Stand with us this morning as we sing.